Welcome to Basket News Talks. I'm the host Nato Surbonas. We're in Kona's, uh, Radisson Kona's hotel and we're hosting Bayern Munich and the head coach Andrea Trinkeri. Hello, coach. Good morning. Coach, you had a dream before the season to have players healthy. You're still didn't live, uh, you're not living the dream yet. Nope. But I had a question, when was the last time you had the entire roster in your practice or in your game and how did that wonderful day look like? I don't remember that day. Mm, unfortunately, this day, that day is not today. <laughs> so I don't even look at that anymore. It's just draining my energy, my mood. So not having the roster at disposal is something that we have to deal with. And um, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So um, I always try to think when uh, something happens, an adversity or an opportunity, how this thing can impact the future. So just to try to imagine what's next. This is like my mind games. You know? And um, I believe that the, the goal to have the roster you plan at disposal to play the game, is, it's like a utopia. Mm -hmm. It may happen, but this is the extraordinary, the ordinary things that you will always have somebody missing. And this should really impact how you build the roster, how you coach the roster, how you prepare games and how you navigate through the season. Can you give us a picture? Because probably a lot of fans don't realize what it means to, on consistent basis, basis to miss one, two, in this case, probably at least four or five important players of, of, of the core. Could you give us a comparison? Uh, what it means for the head coach to try to complete his task to navigate that kind of team and environment? Well, I, first of all, you should not kill the players you have. And I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that you have all the backcourt out. So basically, the way of your the style, the style of your game, the way you play, forget it. You have to find a way just to survive. Maybe just to do two things that we can do together because you are missing all the bigs, all the wings, all the guards, for example. Or you have only one in this position. So then, you know, you have always to deal with your expectation, how you want your team to play. And then, of course, you're not going to have it. And then becoming hard and demanding and super tough, uh, underlining every mistake that there are going to be tons of mistakes, you're going to kill the few players you have. <laughs> So sometimes you really need to swallow to play something that is far from your concept, something that is not even looking good. But this is the only thing your team can do that day. And you really have to help, support, embrace the players you have. Because if they give up, you're dead.
So this is uh, really something, it, it happened many times. One time it happened that we didn't have wings. So then now we don't have guards. So we have five guards out, four guards out. And um, we will make a big guy bring the ball down. I don't know, we, we'll try, we'll try. You have to be very creative. You have to do everything with a smile because if everybody realize what is the real situation, they can say, why should I play? Because I have no chance. But the, having no chance is a chance. So it's really being very realistic, uh, being supportive. And the only good thing in this Euroleague and let's say the European domestics are a marathon. Okay, so I will never let a loss define my season. Never. Because eventually they're going to happen. It's, um, I know this is your job. Titles after a game, great game, bad game, horrible game. Uh, this player is not in shape. But I don't believe that it's fair that one bad game defines uh, what you're doing or who you are as a player, as a coach, as a team. Bad games are really part of our life. I will never forget I was in Bamberg. Mm, we had a very good team with Wanamaker, Strelnik, Melli, Miller, Thijs. Uh, we were playing excellent. Then we go to Real. It was a back-to-back. -back. And after maybe seven minutes of the first quarter, the score was 37-9, 37-7, something like that. I, I call this one of those days. Mm. And uh, it was Tuesday. And Thursday, we're going to play home with Olympiacos. So, Olympiacos with Spanulis, Pintesis. Then you are there. Thank you. What shall I do? So, I was not missing players. They just didn't have the energy or... It was not their day. So then you choose to let your starter stay on the court and eat this game with you. The bitterness, the you expose yourself and everybody to the loss or you try to think to the next one and try to give minutes to players that you need to put in shape or make them taste what means playing in Madrid against Real. And of course I chose the second one. After 48 hours, we played an amazing game and we beat Olympiacos. You know, you have always some memories that can lead you to an improvement. Okay. I was not happy. We were... Everybody watching the game, we were terrible. They were, they run over us. 
but if you try to work in a healthy environment to keep the team as a healthy place to be sometimes you need to stay on the side of the players probably another question is how to keep owners uh, patient I'm not even talking about the fans they're not patient and probably they will never be but they have to start from the ownership right uh, to kind of understand that you have to swallow some games and uh, let, let it go in, in, in some cases I'm not sure if the EuroLeague is already a healthy place and environment to understand that I mean no. in general first of all the concept of, of EuroLeague is expose you to things that collides with the format. So 18 teams, at least 17 teams wants to make the playoffs every season. So this is the most difficult competition in basketball. Out of 17 teams, let's say 18 teams only eight makes the playoff. So the, the importance of the single game is something that unbelievable. So the pressure of the result of the single game is something that you can really feel. But then you know that for the schedule, for the the injuries you have games that you have to let go let, it, let them go you cannot in that day you cannot perform you cannot compete you can try but you are not at the level required to play that game and this is something that it's really difficult to manage it's difficult to understand and the first thing that impacts this is the schedule. The schedule is something that we have to sit and discuss because this is going to ruin the best basketball product outside the NBA. Um, the schedule is killing the quality of the game. The schedule is killing fans because last week we had Tuesday Real at home, Thursday Valencia at home, Saturday Domestic League at home. I don't know how many families can afford to go three days, six days in six days to see three games. So what they do, they choose. So we played eight games in 16 days. After the fifth game, we were trying to understand in what hotel we are, in what city we are, what league we are playing. And every time this happens, I go to the hotel and I go to the room, the room number of the previous hotel. I always messed up this because it's just hotel, 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 hotel. Travel, hotel, travel, hotel. So it's, and this is impacting also the quality of the players.
I cannot develop individually a player in the season. When the players develop in the, in the summer, they take a personal coach, strength conditioning coach, they work on their game. They want to implement their game. I cannot do it because I don't practice. I just travel and play. So the la creme de la creme, they don't need this. So the players that play, they are 30, 33, 34, so they know everything. They just have to rest and stay healthy. But the players that are one level under this, that can become stars, but they have to work on their game, how they can do it? The season is 11 months. They have at least one month with the families, 20 days with the families. So these 30, 40 days that you invest on yourself are not there. So you see how many players are coming up with great physical abilities, but with missing parts in their game. They don't have time. I think it's a good timing to address those things. Marshall Goodman just recently mentioned that they're already thinking and they're in advanced um, conversations of changing the format of the EuroLeague. And if you of the head coach department had a word on this, what, kind, what do you think, what kind of minor adjustments could help to make this whole competition more healthy for head coaches, for the players? Trying to find that balance okay. which can please the very, league. Very simple. Players. First of all, players should have at least one month with nothing. So rest. Then they have to have the time for the national team because we need national teams. Because I watch all the games. People want to come to see national teams. I saw a game in every country in Europe, full arenas. So this is something you have to take in consideration then you need to reduce the number of games because the quality, so we play 90, 92, it's too much. It's not too much overall, it's too much for how important are these games. And you need to give also some time to players to work on their game. So sit with FIBA, this is for the national team, this is for the rest of the players, this is for the competition, the club competition. Second, in EuroLeague, playing tournament. First, I would say six teams goes to the straight to the playoffs, and you have playing tournament to the, from seven to twelve. I'm, numbers are really not important, but we need to involve. It's time to think about playoff format and not final four. Because maybe we reach the peak with the four, final four. Hey, don't take me wrong, I love it. But maybe we want to see Real Barça five games. In a, or seven games. I don't know, I'm throwing things on the table. At the same time, it means more games. Playoffs, play-in. Less, so. less regular season games, more 
So two conferences, 24 teams. Do you like the conferences idea? Although yes. we're not sure what's the final idea. Maybe it means that the regular season still will be like 33 games. It doesn't change a lot. If you play home away in your conference and you play a single game of the other conference, it's still like in 24 team format, it's 33 games basically. Yeah. This is something that, uh, but maybe the conference, it's easier for the travel. Yeah. This is also something that impacts a lot. Uh, not every team has a charter on a regular basis. This impacts. I believe that um, it's a more a cultural thing. Um, NBA is two countries. Let's say one and a little bit of another one, okay? They have also different taxation system in states too. But here is totally different. Mm. And uh, I believe that if we strengthen the base of the EuroLeague, the quality will be better. Maybe the format with the Final Four is a little bit exhausted. We push to the limit and maybe we need uh, something different. But first of all, I don't believe we can change everything snapping fingers. I believe we should start having no FIBA windows, having a more uniform um, schedule for the regular, um, regular season, then the things for the national teams, and uh, things start from that. So at least you have something that is homogeneous and it's easier to deal with. Because now you go send the players to the national team and he got injured. What do you do? There's no players available. It's, 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 it's critical. And the worst part is that uh, when you have this schedule in Europe, most EuroLeague players, uh, for instance, they don't have any time for uh, to practice. And in the NBA, they have basically a six-month uh, NBA season. They have a huge off-season to get their time off to to work on to their game, develop exactly. Okay, if there is a national team window, there is that kind of window, but it basically includes just the least part of the players. And we are already talking about the bigger gap between the NBA and the EuroLeague. The way they develop players, the way they develop as the league. And now this exhausting EuroLeague system, and not just EuroLeague, European basketball system, because it involves uh, FIBA as well. I mean, it just increases that gap year, year by year. But yeah, and you know, the other thing that it's happening more and more and more that uh, exhausted EuroLeague team comes to the domestic game and get kicked in the ass. Is this something good? Don't take me wrong. Can always happen. But if it happens on a regular basis, every week, means that something is wrong in the system. Because also the domestic leagues wants their part of the cake. And uh, they don't want to take care 
So, the, for example, the only what I know, the only league that they take care of the international teams are the Adriatic League. So, you if you play on Wednesday, Friday, they put the game on Monday. Okay, Spain and Germany, they don't care. If you play Sunday on the other side of the moon, you have to go and they put the game at three, at 12 o'clock. And you go, the first quarter you see this other team running, you just try to catch them, and they just run under your, uh, your legs and everything after the first quarter, 35 to 12. And you don't know what to do. They, you just don't, cannot catch them. You're like walking in the mud, and they are gliding. Is this good? Sometimes yes, but on a regular basis. Everybody, as you mentioned, everybody wants their part of the cake. And yes. to reduce the number but of the games... But the cake is smaller and smaller and smaller. Exactly. And, but to reduce the number of games, you have to sacrifice something. What would, be, what would you think would be fair to sacrifice? The number of games in the EuroLeague, domestic league, both? You already mentioned that we should uh, uh, erase FIBA windows, for example. So it's is this we are sacrificing national team uh, window system, uh, which is which, which is fair, I think. But w- what we should prioritize, you know, with, with domestic leagues and Euro League and just international competition you know, thing. No, I I was thinking about that, and maybe having a period for Euro League, a period for domestic leagues, a period for national teams. Could be also an idea because the most difficult thing is when you have to play two different leagues about speed about officiating about contacts about everything so it's very difficult to reset from one game to the other we can play also the domestic league Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, for one stint of the season, and then for another stint you play the EuroLeague. Like this, there won't be any cake in a few years. How do you think this, when this new EuroLeague format kicked in, how do you think, how it changed you as a head coach? Oh. And what you're missing the most? No, I don't look back. I don't want mm. to look back. It's useless. Uh, the most, the biggest difference is that before you had things that you want to do, and now you have things that you can do as a coach. I want to prepare this. I want to have this. I want to do that. that. Now I'll try to do this. This I cannot. And I know. So it's really... We are heading to something close to the NBA without being the NBA, without having all their strength and all their quality. If it's good or not, I don't know. We will see. It seems like it's a hard adjustment for for, for head coaches because I I believe that... I believe that uh, it's very hard, but who doesn't do it won't survive. Because now even, okay, uh, looking at standing is a, is a tricky thing, but we have a lot of teams with big-time head coaches like Jelko Bradovic, Etero Messina, and they're, they're struggling. 
and it's 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 becoming more a players league than head coaches uh, league how it was before. I disagree no? with you uh -huh. because this is a concept coming from the past. The big name has always a white shirt without any spot. It's not like this. Even in the NBA, Steve Kerr just lost a game by 40 points. But nobody thinks that Steve Kerr is any, not good anymore. Mm. Here, ah, he lost the game. He's not good anymore. You cannot have it all. So this is adjust to the situation. Um, best coaches don't do miracles. They, they just do their job very well. So it's something, it, this is a cultural problem. The, this coach, if he loses a game, is not doing his job. He's not good anymore. It's not like this. I just believe that maybe before coaches had more space to create miracles because as you mentioned, they, they wanted to prepare things this way. And then, as you mentioned, you can, you look what you can try to do, you know, before they knew and they had time to do something to, to create those miracles. Now the gap for miracles is, is way smaller and it's more on, on players to, to execute. Uh, yes, but now the miracle is, of course, I'm pushing the word, it's not a miracle, but let's say that the miracle is being able to make your team play in a logic way with effort and commitment in this environment. I believe that everything changed. So, it's all in the hands of the players. And um, you said in the past coaches were able to make miracles happen. But I don't remember miracles without good players. I remember amazing jobs with great players. State-of-art games, but with state-of-art players. So now the ball is in the half court of the players. Because what is the tool of a coach? Practice. We don't have it anymore. So now you have to pack, pack everything in the preseason, but you don't have players in the preseason because they are with the national team. So for one more year in the preseason, I did things, and after seven days in the season, I just throw them away because I didn't know where my team was going because I was missing key players and like me many other teams coach we're here on a almost a Christmas Eve on the mid midway of the Euroleague season and we're talking about practice <laughs> we're talking about practice, practice yes that was a decent uh, Alan Iverson in person I love that I love that <laughs> and I just thought I I, I, I love that uh, too. at least there was somebody that got it <laughs> and I thought about that situation from a different perspective how would you coach a player like Alan Iverson uh, who considering 
what kind of basketball gifts he brings, but at the same time, what kind of challenges he brings uh, with his approach towards practices, uh, how the game of basketball should be played, with his off-court issues, which dramatically changed his life and, and basketball career as well. Putting, how would you put in in the shoes of the head coach who, who has to coach a player like Adam Iverson? First of all, having a player like Allen Iverson should not be a problem, but a challenge. Because if you are able to make it function, you just did a hell of a job. And uh, we are shifting from system coaches. Oh, this coach has a system. This is his system to manager coaches. You manage personnel. You manage human beings with their emotions, their fears, their strength, their skills. Um, if I would ever be a GM, the coach I want is one that is able one year to do the things in this way and the year after do it totally different because I'm not sure as a GM that I'm going to be able to bring the team back. So he needs to do the things with a quick point guard, one meter 80, or a tall, slow point guard of two meters with a stretch four, without a stretch four, with a switch five or with Tavares. And this is the biggest skills that coaches should have now. So going back to your question, you have such kind of talent. Without talent, you don't win games. And players know this. The thing is, when the player attitude fucks the scoreboard, not when he's making mistakes, when he's not totally listening to you. Because being able to listen, he's not, he doesn't listen just because he doesn't want, because sometimes he's not able, he doesn't know. He hears, but he doesn't listen. When the pulse goes 180 in the game, you're not there, you're not in this picture. But he can do things that somebody else cannot do. So you need to merge his talent with the scoreboard. Is he efficient for the team? Believe me, I saw things, you have a great talent player and he's not a practice player, but he's a gamer. He competes, goes to the game and plays hard and wins the game. Who cares if he does not practice like the others? We are not all the same. So you go there and say, listen, I need 20 minutes of your best version. Then you stretch. You know who was doing this? Dan Peterson. That Dan Peterson nowadays would be hmm. the best of the best. He was 
unbelievable with the souls of the players. So he had Dino Meneghin, Bob Mapadu, Joe Barry Carroll. He just sent them go to the weight room to be stronger. And the other team, and the other part of the team was practicing. How, why you should practice? You want to win the World Championship of practice or win the game? You know, this is system is not flexible. What was your Alan Iverson situation you're the most proud of? Handling the talent, challenges that player uh, brings to your team and managing it in a good way, whether it's a good final result of the season or it's just a quality season in terms of the level of the game, of the enjoyment of the whole process. Um, no, no. Uh, I'm willing to give you everything. You are this talented player with so-so intel. You had falls in your career. You didn't make it so far, but you're talented. I'm going to give you everything, 24-7. I'm going to try to improve you. I'm going to give you a structure where you can work on your game. Every day I'm going to come with an idea. Every day I'm going to show you three, four, five, seven, twelve clips of what you are doing good, what you have to improve. But this is a team sport. I will not let you use my team for your personal benefit. If it's mutual, I'm going to give you everything. And this is the reason, because with Wade, it worked. It was difficult, believe me. But... As a coach in this new year league, uh, okay, it's not a new year league, it's a year league we got used to. When do you start looking at standings? At? Say it again, at, sorry. At standings. March? Fair enough. Yeah, because we had Shrona Sisikavishis and Kaunas and he mentioned that he starts looking at standings in February, may, maybe. And it, it's, it, it might be misleading. The standings in general might be very misleading in the first part of the season. I don't know if it's misleading. I know what I have. I know what kind of team I have. I know that I have to develop them. I have to make players that never play EuroLeague, that having big roles taste the Euroleague and it's this is not the rookie league this is one of the oldest league in the world why because you need to have antibodies to play and um, I just want to see my team that plays uh, we lost with the rally but I believe we played an amazing game and I was happy I was sad, same time I was happy because I saw my team bouncing back after many games and troubles with the roster, with players, and we go there. And this is not the case that after two days we played another good game, scoring 100 points with Valencia. Uh, the, the key thing is, if you don't look at the standings, that I, this is what I do, you need to come with something that brings them together with an idea. So we decided to change the style of the game. We want to shoot more threes. Okay, 
and was something challenging, but they accept the challenge. And you do all, do all this without practice. So you do some film sessions, some videos, some, you know, you try to do this and then you need players that cope with this challenge. And this is like fuel. If you cannot guarantee the result, you need to guarantee that you're doing something with a purpose. Every day I go to some player, not every day the same player, and I ask them, what is your goal for today? Have a good practice. This is too general. And then they're paralyzed. Hmm. Because it costs a lot of energy to think what should be your goal. And then I try to teach them that the goal should be maybe today I play Picaro with the left hand. Because maybe next game they're going to weak me and force me to the left. And no, I use the 25 minutes of practice to do something to prepare me for something else. That, have, that means having a purpose. And they, you see their eyes like a deer, like Bambi. It's a good idea. But this costs energy. But it becomes like fuel. Because every day you bring with something and they had just to follow like on a runway. You see the lights, you know, of the, of the plane. When the plane is landing, you see the, the runway with, with the lights. You need to show them the lights to follow. Regarding the standings, um, I think in two years with Bayern, mm -hmm. you fans got used to see Bayern overachieving. I mean, okay, it's a very um, personal thing, but when you look at the budgets of the team mm -hmm. and look at this roster projections, mm -hmm. for Bayern it's really hard to make the playoffs. It's mm -hmm. a huge, huge achievement. But overachieving is cool in the first season, but the problem we have probably in today's society, not just in basketball, that suddenly overachieving becomes a new normal. Mm -hmm. And everybody expects from you to overachieve, yep. and suddenly just to be at your standard is not satisfying, is not pleasing people. Because people have this attention span problem, they want something shocking, they want something to, to be so great. There are two parts of this question. How do you, you cannot control it, but how you try to handle this sense of overachieving is something we must do every season within your organization and people outside fans maybe and within yourself because you might also got in this kind of you know slum that okay i did so good last year i have to i cannot be worse than that i mean because sometimes people look at the standings and the final situation of the standings as the some some checkpoint of, of if they're doing good or not how that's, do you try that's, to handle that's a great it? question really you have one year of time to I sometimes I do in the summer some companies call me to make some speech, you know, to the managers, to the to the office to, and one question they always ask me is what is success? And the answer to me is I will never let anybody else except me define what is success. Because I'm the only one that knows if I'm doing my best. 
what you can ask me more than my best. If you hire me, means that you think that I can do it. I promise I'm gonna give you my best night in, night out. And I put this like a mantra to help me to navigate through the storm. Then we made two times game five to go to the final four. We can say it was overachieving. Mm, I just enjoyed the, the ride. And uh, so one year we were short of one shot, the last shot with Milano. And last year with uh, Barca, we were short of one quarter. But it was different because 2-0 for Milano, 2-2 with two amazing games, and then game five. Last year was a little bit different because we won on the road game two. And then it was just too big for us, game three. Nothing regarded basketball, related to basketball. Of course, they come, they play Barca game, very physical, but everything was too big. And then we can fall apart in game four. But we came in that game trying to reduce the gap of the game, the third game, where we were, everything was too big and nothing was too big. We controlled the game. Then game five, we played great first half. But then La Provitola deserved to go to the players again. So I cannot guarantee that this year, I will do it again. We will do it again. And you said it very well, you know, it's also personal expectation. It's a great enemy. Personal expectations are for players, for coaches, for a father, for a son. It's, it's something that can mess your life. But um, I have my dark room and I try to go inside by myself where all this is negative, but then I lock it. So I visit that room, okay? I won't say on daily basis, but I visit that room. But then I understand that uh, I want to remain objective. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna make it this year, it's very difficult. And, uh, but I see teams that they are going to make it because I, I have experience enough to see how their season is developed. I believe this is the year of Zalgiris, for example. Some things are going clicking and you need also this in order to make the playoffs because we said how difficult is the competition. But I will never let a loss define what we do who we are as a team and as individuals. And uh, the dark room is locked. It's still there waiting for me. But I just try to do my best every day. And sometimes my best is 
coming to the practice, coming to the shoot around, look that you miss five of the best players, and you look who remains on, on the field and say, let's go, let's do it, let's try to do it. And they can feel, oh, this guy believes in us even without these guys. Maybe I'm not gonna win that game. I'm not gonna win that game, but I'm gonna win that players. It's very difficult. So coach, one last topic I want to bring in. Do you use Twitter? No. Is there any explanation? I, I saw that you stopped tweeting like a year ago, probably. What was your decision, you know, towards, uh, what was your thinking towards this decision? We lost the handle on it. I read you because I believe you do a hell of a job. Thank you. I read, but uh, should we write something for us or for the others? When at the end of the day you write for the answer, are you going to write the right thing? It's, we lost the handle on social media. And I don't, we part, don't want to be part of this. It's lovers, haters. It becomes pure marketing. You, everybody sells something. I, and how you, you post a, a song that you like, that maybe is fitting with the day, with the weather, with the game, with, and then people will see something behind it, and maybe there's nothing behind it. Uh, I always try to remember and analyzing what world we are living. I don't like it. I don't like it and uh, I don't like the way they're doing politics. I don't like the way they're so there is a war knocking on our, our door and of course we, we have the show must go on. I understand everything, but hey, I, I coach in Russia and I have friends there. And uh, who is the victim of the war? Of the war is always poor people on both sides. There's no right or wrong in a war. Well, we can talk years who started, but it's I don't know. I'm I I'm really concerned for the society, the developing of the society for young generations. It's, um, I know this is a weapon and we are handling this weapon. Me too, don't take me wrong, I'm, I'm not better than anybody else. But sometimes I stop and see what there is behind all this. It's very thin. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, um, maybe I'm overreacting, maybe... Uh, I see your points. Mm. And uh, um, 
social media, I, I believe that Twitter is a very good symbol of the social media in general, one of the biggest platforms yes. that we have on social media. And my final question was, Elon Musk already made some crazy decisions. And if he made another one and called Andrea Trinchieri, you know, <laughs> by saying, you can do whatever you want with Twitter, what would be your, your move? Because it, it also in, not impacted only our lives, but also basketball. Uh, in some ways, you, you had some great uh, quotes. I think it was the podcast, Bayern Munich podcast, following the first uh, Bayern season, and you said how it impacted uh, the society. But society also changes how the how we approach basketball. That the the failure to ex uh, exposure uh, exposure ex exposed quicker than before. Uh, so if you had this tool. Uh, if you have Twitter, if you have decision making, how to change the society and maybe basketball, what would you do with Twitter? You can do whatever you Only want. Shut it down, do some innovations or whatever you want. Fact checking. I want only the truth. Because we don't know what is the truth. Now, who tweets first, who screams louder, has more rights. So I just want that if somebody is written, because remember that in Latin is verba volant scripta manent. What you say flies in the air, what you write remains forever. And this is social media. You write something, I want fact checking. I, I want that if I say that today is a sunny day, it's a sunny day and not snowing. And now every day, everybody's saying something different about the same thing. We don't know what is the truth. Are we poor? Are we rich? Do we have to eat? Do we, where are we going? The price of the, of the gas. I don't know the truth. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's Trump. Look at Trump. And more power you have, more truth you can say, but the truth is only one. So this is the only thing that I would do. That if something is written, there is somebody that is checking it is the truth. Then I'm not talking about opinions. Opinions is something I may like you or I may dislike you. But I cannot say I don't like you because yesterday you were yelling at the, at the girl at the, the grocery store. You've never been at the grocery store. And then somebody else will dislike you. Ah, he was yelling at this uh, young girl. And you never did it. And you know how this thing pile up. Quality time with Andre Trinkieri, as always. Thanks a lot for your time and happy Thanks holidays. Ciao. Always a pleasure.